the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. the show this is the boys of tech new zealand's longest running tech podcast this is episode 344 for the week commencing monday the 10th of august 2015 my name is edwin herman it's great to have you along i also would like to introduce my co-host for this episode it's brett king hello hey 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 how you doing eating Hey, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> okay, you can do that. This will um, be the true cast. The, the true cast. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, well, there's a few. Th- there's a number of stories I've picked out this week, and I think three of them are to do with security flaws. Oh no! You somebody's found a flaw in something electronic mm. or computer related or connected to the internet. Holy cow, Batman. I know. There's well, a cow there with a hole in it. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess there's security flaws all the time, but there are a few that really come to the surface as major flaws, and these are the- Indeed, flaws that make you go, how the hell did that get past? Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> I know, and uh, I guess I mean we all make, uh, miss things as coders, but uh, and then statistically, there's always going to be a few things that are a lot worse than your regular bugs. Indeed, but some of these security holes are not because of bad coding; it's because of bad design or flawed, yeah, a flawed way of doing something. Yeah, and, and I guess those are two different things, aren't they, Brett? Because the design is something that's kind of inherent. It's the foundations on which something is built. And yep. if there's a flaw in the design, it's never going to work, no matter how good the coding is. Indeed. All right, which one should we start with? We'll start with the um, the Android one. Uh, this is a flaw in the way in which Android Pay has been, I guess, designed in this case. Um, not the way in, not the way that the the pay works, but the it, the, the flaw is in the way that the these particular Android systems have been designed to store biometric information. So talk us through it. So basically, a good biometric system would scan various points on of whatever it's looking at, either your iris or your, or in this case, fingerprint scanners on phones. So the fingerprint scanner would scan various points, identify unique characteristics of your fingerprint, and it would take those points of data, the relation to those, and it would hash that as a, you know, create a hash out of it. And that is what would be Mm. stored. Okay. And so every time you put your finger on the fingerprint scanner, what it would do is it would look for those unique features. It would use its algorithm to map angles and all those sorts of things towards those unique features, hash that and compare it with the hash it already knows and go, aha, you are the same person. The flaw in this particular system, which is with the um, the HTC One Max and the Samsung Galaxy, Galaxy S5, is that it doesn't store a hash of the 
unique data about your fingerprint. It stores a picture of your fingerprint. Whoa, really? Yeah. It stores a picture of your fingerprint on the phone. So if somebody else gets access to your phone, either physically or via some other methods, such as the, you know, um, much touted stage fright issue that Android has, then they can steal the picture of your fingerprint. And once you've got the picture of your fingerprint, they can, anybody who's got that then has the ability to replicate your fingerprint. Which means suddenly, biometrics biometrics have always been a sticky issue. Um, I've always had issue with biometrics because biometrics are, sure, they're a thing that you always have. They are unique to you until somebody else takes it. And they are something you cannot change. Once it's been compromised... That's, well, that's fingerprint down. Or yeah, and, and in this case, most people will store like one or two fingers so they can go, you know, in case they're in an accident, they can still <laughs> swipe another finger. Or if the finger's really, really dirty, they can swipe another finger. So that's fingers that you can no longer use as biometric because they have been compromised. Yeah, and that's the key thing there. You cannot change your fingerprints. You, you, it's, Indeed, it's inherent you cannot to you. change your fingerprints, you cannot password. change your irises. You can change password, you can change a token or a toggle or something exactly. else. Exactly. So if they become compromised and you know it, you can change them. With biometrics, Indeed. as you've pointed Which is out, why biometrics is a bad idea. As a security feature, it is a bad idea because, sure, it is unique to you until somebody takes it. Well, And, uh, and when it gets taken, it's, you know... You're massively up against a wall because so if you're rem- if you're using a device or you're using a system where they have done all of the security around biometrics, suddenly you can no longer use it. So, so what's the remedy for this particular one for this issue? Is uh, does this require a patch? Re- Sorry, there's a patch for I- this particular one, I believe. One of the problems with it is. One of the, the main reasons that um, stage fright became such a big issue with Android is because it's so devolved and there are so many different devices using various different versions and iterations and self-made additions to the Android you know, environment. Android itself right now does not support biometrics at all within its standard. These particular manufacturers created biometrics or bought biometrics add-ons to add to their Android implementation. And they just happened to purchase, you know, or implement very flawed ways of doing biometrics. The latest version of Android, Android M or whatever they're developing, is supposed to support inherently biometrics. And hopefully it does it the hash way, but you never can tell. <laughs> so that's interesting what you said. So this problem is particular to those manufacturers because they're the ones who have implemented, implemented that. biometric. Yeah, okay. So yeah. it's not Google. No, no, it's not an Android issue in and of itself. It is a issue with the biometrics implementation that those manufacturers have used on their devices. It's a very poor design, if you ask me, but I think anyone oh, can yeah. say that, I no, guess. No way <laughs> in ever should it keep a picture of the thing that you're getting biometric data of on the device. No, that's like keeping a, a plain text password, really. It's the same sort of principle. You don't do that. Exactly. You keep a hash of it. Yeah, you keep a hash. I mean, you don't keep a hash of the entire thing. You keep a hash of the individually identified points. So it's unique and so that nobody can reverse engineer it. It's simple security. Yeah. How did this get through? I know. How did exactly. this is one of those things where you facepalm and you go, why? That is the laziest 
laziest implementation of biometrics possible. The most insecure, lazy implementation of biometrics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, now, we also covered a story a few weeks ago about Fiat Chrysler and mm. how hackers managed to take control of a Jeep. Now, the latest on this, Brad, as you pr- probably would have seen, is that it appears that the company had known about this 18 months ago and failed to notify the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Yeah, What do you make of that? I bet you're not impressed, Brett. I am very not impressed. (laughs) (laughs) On a level of unimpressed, I am definitely at minus one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, this is... That is them going, oh... We've got this major security flaw that could have serious safety ramifications. Um, how about we just not tell anybody about it and hope it goes away? Hope nobody notices. I, I think you're right. I, I think it's a case of, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, hopefully no one will notice. And in the meantime, we'll let go, you a you know, fix. We'll, we'll, we'll start working on a fix. But right now, we, we, we've, you know, we've got other things to work on. So <laughs> we'll put it off. Because surely it it can't take eighteen months to work on a fix for this. Well, I I do wonder also whether the law may come down on them, and if so, will it be even harsher, or or is it only for the reason that they hadn't disclosed when perhaps they should have? Well, it, they've already had um, been come down hard on the. They've already been, um, you know, harshly slapped over the wrist for this because the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has pushed um, Fiat Chrysler to recall all of the affected vehicles. That is the first auto recall that has been prompted by cybersecurity concerns. It affects 1.4 million cars and trucks, apparently. Yeah, it's... um it's not a good look for them, really. I I, I guess no, they've got the heavy egg, egg on the- their face. They've got egg on their face right now, but they're not the only ones. What was it we talked about quite a while ago when we first did a story on the hackability of and the insecurity of these networked automobile systems that a Senate committee investigation or um, report had shown that of the 16 manufacturers, only two of them had, a, you know, had thought about the network security (laughs) or how to deal with the network security of their systems so this is yeah we're going to see more of this we definitely yeah i i would agree with you i would totally agree with you this is i guess the first big one that's come to light and as you say we are going to be talking about them on this very show in the future as, as more come about over the next few months and years and we will be doing what we normally do or what I normally do and going, how the hell did that get past? <laughs> Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, sometimes... Let's I- wirelessly connect a, yeah, let's Wi-Fi enable a system which allows an external person to get access to the brake systems of our vehicle. It's a good idea. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes it's... Poor coding, poor design, and other times it's pressure by bean counters. You've got to get this thing out. Yeah, but we've got an issue here. We haven't really scoped one, out the security properly. Oh, don't worry about it. Just get it out the door. We'll worry about that later. Definitely poor design. This is not a coding issue. This is poor design. Having these different systems connected is just poor design. There are certain aspects 
that should be air-gapped because of the safety concerns of them. You do not have one single network within the device. You have multiple <laughs> networks that are disconnected from each other. Okay, at the risk of uh, redoing that story, I'll leave that one there and move on to, I want to talk about the uh, the bind security flaw now. There's mm-hmm. been a, <laughs> it's not a, we're on a roll here on security flaws. There's been a, uh, a, secure, a vulnerability discovered in bind in version nine point something, I think in the nine series. And yeah. it's such that you can effectively cause a yeah, bind, by the way, for the, for the listeners who aren't that familiar in the Linux, with the Linux world, bind is what the native DNS daemon that comes with Linux and a lot of servers oh, it's, it's, on the internet. Yeah, it's, what, probably the bind. main server that handles DNS? Yeah, I think the main DNS system is, and this is the key, this is the key here, uh, runs, it's based on bind. Now with this mm. flaw, a person can send a malformed request and what will bind do? It will crash. That in itself is <laughs> you only have to do it to one if, or two root well, servers this is the thing. and you take down large chunks of the internet. Yeah, well, exactly. You've got to remember that how is the whole internet, uh, well, the whole internet, if you like, is based on DNS because everything's done by name. We don't go by IP number. You know, you go to mm. boysatech.com, you don't go to, I don't know, 192 dot whatever it is. Well, it won't be 192, <laughs> but anyway, <No>. um, <laughs> bad example. But you, you, you get my point. So if we can crash the as much of the you know root dns system that we as we can you are going to ruin as a you know a large chunk of the way the internet works and it's not mm. so much that you're you're breaking the internet per se but you're breaking a fundamental service that is used by just about everything by http by ftp and so on you can still use those things without that but it's it's not going to be pretty. You have to know what you're doing. You can't just Indeed. go to www.boysatech.com. Well, once, I hope once some local cases are going on, which shouldn't they shouldn't be doing anyway. But a lot of people do to save traffic, obviously. Mm. But still, yeah, it's this is a, a real worry. Now there yeah. has been a patch issued, <clears throat> which is good news. Indeed. So if you run a DNS server and you're listening to this. Have you patched recently? I mean, big ones are IS, obviously root servers, but ISPs as well. ISPs really do need to apply the patch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you say, if you're running a DNS server and you don't want your DNS servers to be broken, well, you need to apply the patch as well. So yeah, anything involving DNS is generally uh, or can be of, a, of concern if it's something that can be used... Uh, against the root servers, because as I said before, that's where all your .com comes from, your .net and everything else. Indeed. Hmm. All right. Uh, what else we got? We got a security vulnerable, a zero-day flaw in OS X as well to cover. I think yeah. that's our last one. Mm-hmm. So there's been a, a zero-day bug uh, found in OS X that allows... And it's not a good one. <laughs> no. It allows... Well, it depends on what side you are on. If you want to be able to, you know... <laughs> escalates um, the privileges of the malicious things that you want to run on other people's computers, then it's a really good one. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's privilege escalation. So what it means is that an executable can install itself on your computer or do anything it needs to on your computer without requiring the user to authenticate, to elevate privileges, and therefore they won't necessarily know. Now, I think we mm. understand that there have been some adware, I think, Yep, there is already some malware out there which is um, exploiting this um, bug. 
and installing additional adware, etc., onto um, poor unsuspecting Mac users. Mm. Now, there is a, again, uh, like the flaws we talked about before, that it has been a patch. This, by the way, affects OS 10.10. Uh, 10.10.5 yep. has patched that. So, yep. if well, you have- the beta version of 10.10.5. By the way, also, it, uh, this bug has been tested on 10.11, which is El Capitan. Uh, that's still in preview at the moment, uh, public beta, and it, it's not affected there. But if you're running 10.10.4, yeah. 10. 10. you will be vulnerable. It does make you ponder, right? 10.11, this, this bug is fixed, which obviously means they knew about this bug. Well, not necessarily. But they hadn't released a patch for well, it previously. Well, that is one <laughs> yeah, well that's one possibility, but it's not the only explanation and I know this well, and you, it, you should have, know this happens some, doing some coding developer as well. might have randomly changed something which well, That's right. Sometimes that you redesign suddenly broke. Well, exactly. Sometimes you redesign parts of your architecture not because you know it's flawed, just because uh, for well, for other reasons and in doing so, you've you've unknowingly, if you like, fixed a what would have been a security hole. So, I don't know which it is to be honest, in this mm. particular case. But uh, in any case, they, they, as you say, that there's, uh, there's a patch that is in the uh, beta version of 10.10.5, so hopefully that will be out soon. Indeed. Because nothing you've got on your computer, Gatekeeper, all of those sorts of things, is going to stop you from this. No, no, that's right. This, this will affect everybody. Yep. Because all it requires is for you to unwittingly or sillily download a random app from the app store install it and it to have um <clears throat> some part of itself which exploits this um bug and then suddenly you've got all kinds of adware on there <laughs> yeah well there you go there's a handful of security flaws we've just covered i <laughs> it's, it's, bit, it's all bad news isn't it <clears throat> indeed indeed should we talk but about some good I news? I do like the zero day bugs in OS X because it means that, you know, I can feel a little smug about all of the Mac fanboys that you read about in, you know, in the comments fields of threads talking about bugs in Microsoft, bugs in Android, bugs in this, that, and the other. And they're all sitting back going, ha, ah, mine doesn't, uh, I have no bugs. Gatekeeper works fine. I don't need, I don't need malware protection or virus protection. I run a Mac. Yeah, yes, no. you do. Everybody yeah, yeah, knows. Yeah, absolutely. So your machine connected to the internet, it needs virus protection, Correct. malware L- protection. Linux is included in that as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you we just talked about Bind, and Bind runs on Linux. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if malware would pick that up, but no. Um, but I, I think the point you're making, though, if, if uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, is that can th- have bugs in it. Correct. And does bugs. have bugs in it. Yep. Yep. Some of them are vulnerability bugs. Others are. Uh, well, some of them are security vulnerabilities. Others are just, uh, you know, silly bugs. Silly bugs that make it crash. Yeah, randomly. make it subject to DDoS. So, or mm. just DOS. All right, uh, and I don't mean Microsoft DOS, by the way. Um, but no, you know I, that. <laughs> let's let's talk about some good that was news. A good operating system. DOS. <laughs> let's talk about some good news then. Lei Zuo, who is an associate professor of mechanical engineering at Virginia Tech's College of Engineering, is working on a way to harvest energy from the shock absorbers going up and down as you drive your car over the road surface. Now, the concept is similar to like regenerative braking, where particularly with hybrid, these are, you see these in hybrid cars, mm. uh, where as you apply the brakes, that energy, that braking energy goes into 
uh, into uh, to regenerating and, and feeding the battery. And so a similar idea is being developed, but for the shock absorbers and taking or, or generate, if you like, regenerating energy that way. What do you reckon? Mm. I think it's very cool. It's, you know, currently got some, um, what, well, still, yeah. It's currently got a pretty impressive amount of generation from just driving on a you know a normal road. What is it between yeah. 100 and 400 watts of energy? I know that's a lot. 100 to 400 watts of energy on, as you say, on just on ordinary roads. Yeah, in Russia that would be like one kilowatt. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> based on, they're, based they're purely current. on the on the Russian dash cam videos that I watch. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which may or may so not the, be represented. The worse your roads are, the more energy you're going to get back from shock absorbers. Well, that's, so, yeah, well, exactly. So the more energy you will have to run your hybrid vehicle, but the faster everything in your hybrid vehicle will wear out from all of the fatigue from all of the bouncing around. Oh yeah, well that's a good point. I wonder where the sweet spot is then. Indeed. Uh, someone can do. <laughs> we'll leave it up to one of our listeners then, maybe to to do that calculation. <laughs> it is pretty cool, but currently the 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 cost of these particular devices that they're working on uh, is prohibitive for people who do short journeys. These are these are things designed for people who drive. You know. Large commercial vehicles that drive long distance. Do you think also, though, Brett, that this will be this technology will become standard in particularly in hybrid cars, as regenerative braking is now fairly standard in those types of vehicles? I don't see why not. If it can, if the cost to create it, um, the ease of creation of it comes down, um, and it doesn't use silly, super expensive materials mm. that cost hundreds of dollars per gram to dig out of the ground in massive ecologically destroying mining practices around the world, then sure. <laughs> yeah, well, this is what I'm wondering. I mean, I, I, I do, you know, like any new technology, it always starts expensive and, and you know, because, mm. you know, uh, and, and over time, I mean, surely. I think this is great. I think um, I, uh, w- what I really like about this story is it's, I guess, a nice warm, fuzzy feeling knowing that people are working on solving uh, some of these problems. Yeah, yeah. You know, most most of the energy created from burning fossil fuels in your car is wasted. Yeah, what's the stat on that? It's pretty high. Um, about... 90, 85% of the energy that comes from the fuel consumed in your car is is lost. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I, yep. I, they are incredibly inefficient. Incredibly inefficient. Mm. All right. Uh, what else have we got then on this episode? Oh, yes, the last story. This this one you will absolutely love, Brett. I know it's, it's, it's for you. This is... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I looked at this and I went, wow, I didn't know it was April 1st already. Yeah, well, I had to do it. I did a double take as well, Brett. So let's explain. This has got to, to be the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Well, let's let's talk. This is for people with more money and no sense. What's the point of this? Hey, we've got to so describe that, this to what? our listeners. Our listeners have no idea what we're talking about. So we're talking about Nico Gerard, a luxury watch company, and they have come up with what you can think of as it's a watch strap, really, for the Apple Watch. But the watch strap includes one of their watches on it. So you effectively end up with one of the luxury watches on one side of your wrist and on the other, the Apple Watch. Stupidest thing <laughs> ever. 
Why would you buy this? It costs what? Their cheap one costs like nine, nine and a half grand. And US. That's US dollars. <laughs> so about 6,000 pounds. Yeah. What's it's ridiculous. Yeah. What is the point of this? You're either going to have an Apple Watch or you're going to have a regular watch. What is the point of both? Are you, yeah. you know, unable to read numbers? And, and so you need to have the the hands because I'm pretty sure the the Apple Watch has various faces that allow you to have hands as well showing. Mm. Or is it because you really, really, really want an Apple Watch, but everybody else in your workplace thinks that Apple Watches are a giant waste of, you know, uh, everything. So you want to have the this particular watch so that you can have your Apple Watch, but on the outside of your wrist where everybody looks, it'll be just a regular watch. And so it'll be like under the radar, you'll be able to have your Apple Watch fix <laughs> on the quiet. So that's why you have your Apple Watch on the inside kept surreptitiously in the, the bottom part of your cuff and the um, regular watch peeking out over top. And you can go, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got a regular watch. I'm not buying into that whole Apple Watch fad, but really, yeah, well, you are. You have to. And you're paying an exorbitant amount of money to do it. I do not get it. I don't get it, Ed. Why well, would you do it? What's uh, it, the is, point? it is kind of it is kind of odd. You have to also ask why? yourself why do people wear luxury watches to start with? It's because it's a piece of jewelry. It's a piece of art. It's a, indeed. It's but jewelry. why the hell would you wear both? So it's, well, it's, here's the thing: because they may want that, but the functionality as well. But it looks of stupid. The Apple watch. It it looks bulky and horrible. I'll declare now. It's Indeed. not for me. It's not for me. Indeed. But, but I think it's be not people. for any sane person. Look, it's, you've got to see it anyway. Look, shall I, I'll put a link just because this is one of these things that occasionally we have stories where we describe something that you really have to see to to visualize properly. Uh, being an audio podcast, it's kind of hard to do that. So I'll put a link in our show notes so you can see exactly what we're talking about and you can make up your own mind. And if you feel like it, you can drop us a comment on our website, Boys of Tech. Dot com under episode 344. How about that? Mm. Brett, you might even want to... the silliest thing I have seen in you, you might, such a long time. <laughs> Brett, you might want to leave a comment yourself as well. <laughs> I left my comment. Oh, yeah, it's you've made it uh, yeah, stupid. over the microphone. It's so stupid. If All you right. want a watch as a piece of jewellery, get a watch as a piece of jewellery. If you want an Apple Watch, get an Apple Watch. All right, Brett, <laughs> on that note, look, let's end it there. I want to thank you very much for co-hosting 344. Always a pleasure. Ed. All right, and we'll do it again another time. In the meantime, have yourselves a fantastic week. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.